Well, good morning and welcome to uh, Bridgewater. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are really excited about today. We're excited that you are here with us because we're starting a new series, as you heard Jeff talk about, called This Is Us. We're talking about our, our core values. What makes Bridgewater Bridgewater? What makes us who we are? And so I want to start off by asking you, have you ever known somebody who was really good at something? And then you met somebody who was like really, really good at that same thing. Maybe you're really good at something. And then you met somebody else and they were like next level good. Ever, ever experienced that? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, but... When I was in high school, I wrestled in my junior and senior year, I was pretty good. My senior year, I lost three matches, and I thought that I was amazing. And then I went to college, and I wrestled, nothing special, Division three, and I met some guys that were next level good. Uh, the guy that I worked out with, one of my teammates, when he graduated, he left, and he was a four-time All-American and a two-time national champ. Jason was next level good. I mean, he had counter moves for everything. He was always in like the perfect position. And I remember one time he and I were, were wrestling in practice and we were locked up and all of a sudden I felt his weight just shift and it was all magical. I just, I threw him from his feet to his back. His back hit the mat and within a fraction of a second, he rolled through, and then I was on my back, counting lights on the ceiling. Jason was next level good. And then uh, there was actually one week we had a guy, he came from uh, Lock Haven. He was a Division I stud, number 13 in the whole country. Josh Millard was amazing. Neither Jason or I could touch this guy. He was next level good. Maybe you think that you're kind of a romantic, right? And, and you bring your girlfriend or your, your wife or your spouse or whoever, your significant other out on a date. And then you come home and you're watching TV and you're watching this reality TV show. And, and this guy is out on his date and he's in a helicopter. And he's flying over Italy. And you're at Chili's. <laughs> this guy is, is next level good when it comes to being romantic. And we see this all the time, right? There's next level musicians, there's next level athleticism, but there's also next level generosity. And so my question is, how do we figure out what those levels are and how do we figure out where you are in that spectrum of generosity? And the way we figure out where you are, where I am, is we have to test it. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to figure out what does it look like to go up a level in our generosity. So grab your Bibles and go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. While you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of the background. You see, John is actually one of the disciples of Jesus. He's an older pastor now, and he's writing to these, this group of Christians and he's laying out a number of tests to test their faith, to test if they really believe in Jesus, to test their doctrine, to test what does your life really look like? 
because some false teachers have snuck in and they've started to, to, to share a false gospel. They started to twist the words of Jesus. And so John is writing them this letter and he has a, all these different tests. And then at the very end in chapter three, he says there's really a two-part test. Are you a follower of Jesus? And has Jesus really changed your life? So 1 John chapter three, I'm going to start reading in verse 16. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So he's connecting faith and love together. So let's, let's go back to verse 16 real quick. This is how we will know what love is. Here it is. It's the gospel, really, in one sentence. Jesus laid down his life for us. John is going back to this one point in history, the turning point for all of history, and he shares the gospel. Let me, let me explain what the gospel is. You see, you and I, we start off with, with God, right? And all of a sudden, you and I, we've sinned. And when sin happens, the wages of sin, it separates us from God. And that's what the gospel, that's how it starts off. That for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is you can no longer be with a holy, perfect God, which obviously creates a huge problem because I can't spend eternity with him. I, I, I deserve to spend eternity somewhere else. The Bible describes that as hell. But then Jesus laid down his life. Jesus came and he died on the cross for you and me. But that doesn't mean that you and I just go to heaven. We have to look at this and think through, okay, where am I? Am I over here? Am I, am I like halfway or am I over here? But, but Jesus, when he died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, he made forgiveness possible. He offered up this gift, this free gift of eternal life. And now you and I have this opportunity to either accept it or reject it. And when I ask Jesus to be the forgiver of my life and the leader of my life, the forgiver of my sins, he makes that forgiveness possible and we can then be with God. That's the gospel. And he explains all that in just this one sentence that it's the turning point with everything. He was the sacrifice for all of our sins. Jesus wasn't simply a martyr. He made an atonement, purchased you out of the darkness, paid for all of your sins, all of your wrongdoings, did all of that for us. He laid down his life. It was deliberate, it was willful, and it demonstrated love. Just think about it. It, it was deliberate. That he, it, was, it was intentional. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was purposeful. He counted the cost. He knew it was going to cost him something. I mean, these, these people, they were beating him, 
spitting on him, falsely accusing him. And then they drove nails right through his wrist. He chose that. It was deliberate. But not only was it deliberate, it was willful. If you have kids, you understand what willful disobedience is, right? <laughs> you tell your child, please do X, Y, Z, or stop doing X, Y, Z. And then they do the complete opposite. They look at you. They make eye contact and everything. And then they do the opposite. Willful disobedience. They're just bent towards doing that. But Jesus, he was bent towards dying on the cross, willfully doing that, knowing it was going to hurt, it was going to cost him, and he chose to do it. But also it demonstrated, it was the example of what real love is. If we're going to talk about love, we have to use this definition. Not Hollywood's definition, not Shakespeare's definition, not teen drama's definition, but this is the example. This is really what love is. It's self-sacrifice. That's what love is. That's what Jesus did for you and I on that cross. But take a look at what verse 16 says, the rest of it. He says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Whoa, I kind of like that first part, right? Where someone laid down their life for me, but now you're saying, I need to lay down my life for other people? I don't really know if I want to do that. But this is why we say we give because he gave. This is where that core value comes from. That, that Jesus gave his life for you, for us, for all of us. And then he turns around and he says, do the same thing. Follow the example. Live your life like Jesus lived his life. And I'm not even talking about money today. So if you just breathe the sigh of relief, that's okay. We're simply talking about giving and we're talking about generosity, which comes in the form of time, energy, abilities, talents. It also includes money, but our giving and our generosity is so broader than what we typically think of. But notice what John says next, right? John says this in verse 17. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? See, the reality is generosity is love. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can't. You cannot love without being generous. Love and generosity go together. If I say that I love my kids, but I'm not generous with my time, my resources, my energy, or my money, do I really love my kids? If I say that I love my wife and I'm not generous with my time, 
my energy, my resources, my abilities, my money, if I'm stingy and I don't want to give, do I really love my wife? You see, those two things, they're connected. Love gives. And so here he uses this word, this, this word pity. If I see somebody, right, I have the ability, I have, I have material possessions, I have resources, it might be money, it might be time, it might be energy. I have those at my disposal and I see somebody in need. It could be anything. It could be volunteering in the kids' ministry or it could be a financial need. I recognize there's something going on and I go, I have no pity for them. In the Greek, it's the idea of closing off your bowels and your intestines, which, by the way, medically is not a good idea. So think about that. And the reason that's important is because the Greeks believed that, that love and compassion and tenderness all came, for, came from those in, inward intestines and bowels and your heart and your lungs. All of that was all connected together. So what John is saying is if I see someone in need and I close off my bowels to them, I, I close off my love and my tenderness and my compassion, he goes, well, do you really have the love of God inside of you? You see somebody in need and we go, ah, I think somebody else is going to take care of that. that. That might be someone else's problem. I think they could probably figure it out on their own. Do we really have the love of God inside of us? What would it take? What would it look like to, to level up our generosity? No matter where you are in your generosity, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, what if we all leveled up our generosity? Just by a little bit. What would that look like? We want to be a church where we are generous, where we are giving, and I saw that a few weeks ago as we went, we went out to go be the church. You were all generous with your time and your giftings and your abilities. And some of you even purchased things. You made those things happen. We pulled that off because you did it. And we see that. In fact, I was curious about our giving. I have no idea what anybody here gives, but I just, I just asked the question, you know, how has giving changed over the last couple of years? And giving here at Conklin has increased by 15%. Because you guys are being generous. Because you see what God is doing here and you have chosen to give towards what God's doing here. And when you give, you give towards life change and, and people's lives are radically tra being transformed. I mean, we, we pull off this launch camp for like 20 bucks a kid that's not enough to feed all of those kids, let alone put energy and electricity into that building, let alone cover all of the payments that, that we, we pay volunteers or we pay other leaders to, to run that camp. And this morning we heard about a young girl whose life was radically changed by Jesus. So when you give, you're giving to those things. But here we see in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has something to say about money. He says, no one, not you, not me, nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve God and stuff. You can't serve God and possessions. It's got to be one or the other. Which one will you serve? Which one will you really love? Which one will you really be devoted to? If you want to break the grip of materialism, which, by the way, is give, get, 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 we have to flip that around and start giving. And every time I sin, it's because I'm selfish, because I'm thinking about Tim, it's because I'm thinking about getting, it's because I'm thinking about pleasing the flesh, it's because I'm thinking about me and my own small little kingdom. But what if I flipped that around and I began to think about other people and I began to really up my generosity, whether it was with money, time, resources, or praise, or affection? What if I, I upped my generosity? So here's the first test. The first test is this. My love for God is tested through generosity to people. How are we doing with that? You don't have to answer out loud, but I think we need to take an internal check. How am I doing? If my love for God is really tested through generosity to people, how am I doing? But not only that, how could I level up just a little bit? What would that look like? If I'm doing good, if I'm doing great, if I'm doing awesome, what would next level generosity look like in that area? See, love gives. And generosity is the litmus test. Generosity is going to be the thing that I, that I figure out. How am I doing in terms of generosity? Do I have the resources? Do I see the need? When I see the need, what do I do about that? John says, if you're not willing to do something simple, then maybe you don't love God. If I'm not willing to take that need and take care of it, maybe I really haven't been changed and transformed by who Jesus is. So what does a generous person look like? They start by doing. They have actions. Look at verse 18. He says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions, and truth. And if I really want to up my game when it comes to generosity, there has to be some sort of action. Here's what Daniel Aiken says. Daniel Aiken says this, one of the distinguishing marks of the child of God is love. A love that originates in God displays itself in actions of what? Self-sacrifice. And is evidence of eternal life. That means if there's really going to be generosity seen or experienced, it comes through self-sacrifice. And today, no matter where you are in this area of generosity, I simply want to challenge you to go to the next level because there really are levels to this thing. So the question is, what's the next test? My generosity to people is tested through action. So if you looked back over the last 24 hours, 
Could you think through how you've been generous? Can you think through and find the ways where you could have been more generous? Do you see the areas where you may have missed it just by a little bit or just kind of ignored it? Here's what, here's what the author of Proverbs says in Proverbs 30. Listen to this. Proverbs 30, verse 7. He says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. I think, I think whoever wrote this had, had experienced life, had seen people misuse money and misuse resources, and he, and he had seen people who were living in poverty. And this is what he says. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What if that was our prayer? God, please don't give me too much. Don't give me more than I need so that I walk away. But God, but God don't give me so little that I become greedy and I steal. Now, I'm not saying that what the amount of money you have are excuses or reasons for doing those things, but what he's saying is, God, just give me enough for today. Give me enough for today so that I can do your will. What if that was our prayer? What if as a church we were like, okay, God, don't give us too much, but don't give us too little, but just give us, please just give us what we need to accomplish what you want to happen here in Broome County. Give me enough to be a, a God-honoring dad, mom, grandmother, neighbor, coworker, boss, so that I can make an impact for your kingdom. Today is not the prosperity gospel. It's the generosity gospel. It's about taking what God has already given us and using that for his glory, for his kingdom. Because he really has been generous to us. He's given, he's given every single one of us more than we deserve. The breath in our lungs, he gave it to us. The blood running through your heart and your veins, he gave that to us. The ability to think and problem solve, he gave that to us. The ability to work and make income, he gave that to us. He is incredibly generous with all of us. And he says, okay, what if we upped our level of generosity? In Jewish, Jewish culture, there's, there's eight levels of generosity. This is not in the Bible, okay? This is simply just Jewish culture. But I found it really interesting as I was studying this, and I wanted to challenge us. Level zero, you give nothing. Level one, give unwillingly and grudgingly. You ever met somebody like that? They, they give unwillingly and grudgingly, 
Right? You, you, you go to them, and, and they give, but they're like, fine, just take it. Get out of here, right? They're mad about it, right? They're like, okay, well, I guess that was better than level zero because you gave. You were mad, <laughs> and you, like, kicked something on your way out, but that was the level of generosity you saw. Level two, give inadequately, but gives gladly with a smile, right? There's a need. You say, hey, we just need 100 bucks. And they're like, uh, I got $10. Here you go. <laughs> Have fun. Good luck getting the rest, right? We're not even talking about money here, but we're simply talking about their heart, their, their posture, their spirit of generosity. They give inadequately, they're doing it with a smile. They're doing it gladly. Level three, when one gives to a person in need after being asked. Again, not talking about money right now. We're simply talking about their heart. They had to be prompted. Again, they're getting better. We're going from nothing to something to a little more. They're prompted. They're giving to a person in need, but, but they had to be asked. And, and this is where some of us are. That's okay. I'm not down on that. But take a look at level four. When one gives to the person in need directly into their hand, but before being asked. So I don't, I see, I see the need. I'm ready and I'm willing to be generous I'm, I'm annoyingly generous. I'm being proactive here. I'm giving to the person. I'm putting it right into their hand, but I'm not waiting to be asked. So many times we wait to be asked, but what if we began to look for the needs, saw the needs, and then just took care of it, whatever it was? Level five, when the recipient knows who the giver is, so the person getting it, right, they know who, who, who's getting it, right? I just want to bless somebody. I just want to help somebody. It doesn't matter who. So imagine I say, hey, I got a car. I don't use it anymore. Jeff, here's the keys and the title. Give it to somebody, somebody who needs it. When you hear of a need, just give it to them. I don't really need to know who gets it. I just want to bless Somebody. This is next level generosity. Level six. When one knows the recipient of the giving, but the recipient is unaware of the giver. So you're at a restaurant, you see somebody, a friend across the restaurant, and you're like, hey, waiter, come over here. Give me their bill. I want to take care of it. Right? And you, you, then you up and you leave, right? Or you're at the drive-thru. And you have no idea who's behind you. And you say, what do they owe? I'm going to take care of it. And then you drive off as fast as you can. It's next level giving. Be careful as you drive off as fast as you can. <clears throat> you can pick. But these are different levels of generosity. And I simply want to bring these to you so you can identify, hey, where am I? And what would that next level look like for me? Level seven, anonymous giving and receiving. This is crazy. I, I didn't even know that this really happened, but in December 2018, 
there were anonymous givers who just really got into like the Christmas and holiday spirit. And they were going around to different Walmarts and they were paying off tens of thousands of dollars on layaway. First of all, I didn't even know layaway was still happening, but it's, I guess it is. And these people were paying off dozens and dozens of people's layaway. And, and they said, hey, how much is on here? I'm going to pay it off. Just give it to them. And in, in one Walmart in Colorado, dozens of people showed up and they paid off $44,000 of layaway items. That's incredible. They had no idea who these people were. This is next level generosity. Level eight, when, when one supports another by endowing them with a gift or a loan or entering into a partnership with them or finding employment for him in order to strengthen their hand so that they will not need to be dependent upon others. It may not be money. It may simply be finding them a job or, or teaching them how to do something so they have a skill so now they can go and work for themselves. It's, it's the idea of give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day, but if I teach him how to fish, he'll never go hungry. It's next level generosity. This is where you are. I don't know where you are, but we need to think through, which level am I? Where am I? And then how do I need to level up my generosity? That would be the goal. That each of us this week would look for ways to simply level up our generosity. So that's my challenge to you. As you leave today, as you go about your week, look for opportunities to simply level up your generosity. Let me pray. God, you are amazing. And you give beyond our needs. You take care of us in ways we can never fully understand. And because you give, because of your generosity, you also call us to go and give and be generous. I know there's people here with all sorts of financial backgrounds, different social statuses, different amounts of resources, different abilities, different talents, different time that they can give to certain things. And it's my desire that you would help me and you would help us simply level up our generosity. That we would look for ways, see the needs, not wait to be asked and just take care of them. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Let's stand and worship together. One more song. Let's be generous.